Hi, this is Austin Anderson. I'm the lead pastor of Tekoa Church. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Tekoa Church exists to see people connect to God, to find and live out their purpose. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and draws you closer to God. It takes courage, right, to share our story. And I think this topic that we have today is takes a little even extra courage. Um, because while it's a topic... And it's a sin that statistically almost every single one of us, probably every single one of us, um, has a challenge with at some point at least in our life. Um, it's one that we don't like to talk about. It's one that we like to keep hidden more than every, most other ones. It's one of those that we feel a little bit more shame attached to, a little bit more I want to keep it hidden than some of the other things in our life that are maybe just as bad but um, at least more socially acceptable. Um, and today we are talking about the sin of lust. And I was so grateful that she got to share with our church because it helps us see something that we know to be true but that we don't often talk about, that this isn't just a male struggle. This is a human struggle. It doesn't matter if we're a man or a woman. The vast majority of us struggle with, us, with this. If it's your first Sunday with us, I want to just let you know that you joined us on the week that's maybe a little bit more intense than some of the other weeks that we have here at Tekoa. Um, but we believe God has something to speak into all areas of our life, and we believe that when we listen to Him, He has better for us, and His way is better for us. Um, and so this morning, um, I want to remind us, why are we talking about this? The reason for this series, if you follow Jesus, the Bible says we are called to live differently. And Ephesians says this, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. We're to put off our old nature, sin, and this week we're talking about lust. We're to let the Holy Spirit, that's the power, that's the way that we're even able to do that, to put on our new nature. This week, that's purity and not living with lust in our lives. So let me start by defining two words that we're going to see in our passages that we look at today in the New Testament. The first one of those is the word lust. The Greek counterpart for that is epithumeo. That's lust here. To have a strong desire to secure something for yourself, uh, to have sexual interest in something outside of God's design of marriage. And notice that you know, especially in English, we talk about lust being lusting after, desiring something um, that doesn't always have to do with sex, um, but usually that leads to one, into one of the other areas of greed or jealousy, a different sin. There's, today we are going to focus on this side of it. And so the second word I want to define is sexual immorality, and the Greek word for this is porneia. Might give you an idea of what it means. It'll give you an idea where we get the word in English, right? Where we get pornography from. It comes from this Greek word. It's unlawful sexual intercourse or actions outside again of God's design of marriage. And I want to invite us today as we talk about this, right? It can be in so many different forms for us. Right? It might be in the form of pornography, but it might be in the form of what we read or what we watch or what we see when we walk down the street. In so many ways, it can manifest in our lives and be a temptation for us in our lives. And all of these can be a way that this happens. Something outside of the design of marriage 
um, in the sexual sense is what we're talking about today. Lust is this desire that we have, and pornography, like I said, is just one form of this, but, but it's a major one. It's a damaging one. It's one that now versus 20 years ago, it was still a struggle 20 years ago, but it's so different now because of the access, the ease of access that we even have today. And statistics can be difficult, but they can be helpful. Um, and I want to just share a few as we just start to go into this this morning. Within the church, not outside the church, slightly better in the church, but within the church, between 41 and 76 percent of people are actively seeking out pornography every month. That's over half of the church. And so that's a major thing that statistically a lot of us in this room deal with. Now more of this percentage is men than women statistically, but the women's side is growing fast and dramatically in our culture. 47% of families, so we'll just say half, say that it's a problem in their home. And statistically, pornography use increases your chance of having an affair if you're married by 300%. That's dramatically significant. And over half of then the divorces that happen state that an obsessive interest in pornography was a leading cause of that split. It's a major, major problem for us before we're married and after we're married. And this last one, 11, is the average age a child in our country has viewed pornography. And by 14, 90% of kids have. And so this is an issue, it's a struggle, it's a challenge that we face from an early, early age. And I want to acknowledge a few things before we dive into the scripture side of it today. This topic is probably going to be awkward. The room is a little more quiet already. Like, I, I just sense it. And we get, it's okay. I, I actually appreciate the nervous laughter. That's like a good thing. But right, this is going to be awkward for some of us today. And it's a huge topic. And there's many conversations and specifics around it that unfortunately I'm not going to have time to get into even today. Some of you are going to think, ah, you didn't go deep enough, pastor. Others of you are going to think, you're already, you're already too deep. Like, take me back to the shallow end. Like, I don't, can I, do I stay the whole service or do I make my way to the exit? And at some point, we're going to come back to this topic as a church because there is more that God wants to speak and even there's so many different areas that this affects. But I just want to, to let you know that I'm going to try to give us a good overview today. And I want to outline God's direction for how we live. And my goal is a few goals for you. Number one, to show you that this is how God calls us to live. It's a different way for us to live. Number two, I want to show you that it's possible to live that way, live without um, giving in to this sin in your life. And number three, I want to show you that it's better to live that way, because I know sometimes even we're not sure if it is. And God will still work through you if you have this sin in your life, but I have seen in my own life that it is a major roadblock to the working of God, right? He's all-powerful. He can work even despite it, but this is a major, major roadblock to him and us walking in the full power and the, just getting to experience the goodness that God has. I also, last thing I want to share before we jump into this, that this was a huge struggle for me for over a decade of my life. And at the end of my sermon, I am going to share uh, a bunch of my story, but I want to let you know my heart as we go along before we get there, as we get through some of this. I don't stand here judging you as somebody that's perfect, that's never sinned, that's never struggled. I come as somebody who struggled deeply, 
who committed many sins, unfortunately, who thought I would never be able to live any other way because of just how much this was a weight on me. But I also stand here as somebody who now lives and walks and lives a life of freedom from this area, and I can tell you that it is such a better place to live, and I don't ever want to go back to that way that I was before, and there's hope for you to get there as well. So, yes. So today we're going to look at three passages from the New Testament that are some of the major passages on this topic for us today. So the first is Jesus. He's talking to some people and he said, You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If you're female, you can switch the pronouns that are in this sentence. It applies both ways. But right, this is... A prohibition just to look. And it's important even that we look at this. This is the extent that Jesus says, just by looking, just the lustful intent in our heart is as bad as committing adultery. That this is the seriousness of this sin for Jesus. And he tells us that right, just, just looking is, not, is with the intent, not just seeing something, but looking with intent and continuing to look with intent is where this goes wrong doesn't have to even escalate to any action on our part by just what happens in our minds can have us commit this sin for us. Sexual sin outside of God's design of marriage is, and we're going to look at that in a minute, is what Jesus is talking about here. And the intent is important, right? It's, in, it's, it's, it's that intent for us. You know, noticing a person isn't lust, it's entertaining the thought to think about somebody else. And I had an older Christian tell me when I was younger that like his rule in his marriage was he could look, but he couldn't touch. Well, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, unfortunately, the standard is a little bit higher for us if we are followers of Jesus, right? You don't have to wear blinders, like horse blinders, when you go to the beach. Like, that's not what he's saying. Like, you're going to see things in front of you but how you respond to it matters. What you entertain in your, your mind matters even before you get to the action. And what Jesus says is if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Now he doesn't literally mean like cut out your eyes if they're causing you to sin. But it's showing the extent that he says you need to go. If this is an issue in your life, don't just take a half measure. This is something that you need to take seriously with your eyes, with your hands, with, with everything in your life. You don't have to literally throw away your eye, but if watching TV leads you towards this sin, then you need to either not watch that TV show, or I had to do this for a period of my life. I just had to say, like, I'm not watching any TV for now until I get to a different place in my life because I, I, I too too much temptation there. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be that, but any temptation, there's too much you might need to just cut it off and say, God, you're more important than whatever this thing that I enjoy is because it's too tempting, it's too much for me to handle this situation. Remove the temptation if it is too much for you. I want to look at Matthew 19 next. This is the passage we had read at our wedding. You know, and because Jesus is telling this is the design of marriage here, this is even some warnings around marriage, and we told our pastor, this is what we want read at our wedding, we, we want you to preach from this, and he's like, never had anybody read this at their wedding before, but it tells you 
what Jesus says, this is what marriage is supposed to be. See, the Pharisees came to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? That's the question we have today. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not no man separate. Before I keep reading, I just want you to, to see here. Jesus goes back to Genesis, the very beginning, before even sin entered the world, saying this is what God designed. I don't have time to get into all the theology today around this, but I think it's really important that Jesus goes back to that initial design by God and said this, yes, it was correct then, no changes, this is how it's supposed to be. And they said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. Sorry. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. This is the extent that Jesus went to. This is the, the standard that he holds up for us. Now, even though looking with lust, we just looked at, Jesus said, as adultery, it doesn't mean, like, because I looked at another woman with lust, it means my wife should, like, get rid of me and it's over. But what I want you to see is just the seriousness of this for Jesus. What I also want you to see that I want to acknowledge before I go on, because it's not what I'm preaching on today and I don't have time to get into it, but if you are divorced, if you know somebody, like, I have grace for you, Jesus has grace for you, he has love for you, um, and there is forgiveness for you, there is new life for you, there's good for you, God still loves you. Um, that's not what he is saying here that, you know, um, and so I want to just get that out of the way. The point Jesus is making is the seriousness of the sin, the extent of it, right? It's not only having sex to someone that you aren't married to that's a sin, it's any act that God calls us not to have, and God outlined what that is here. This is what Jesus upholds, one flesh relationship of marriage, that we leave father and mother, we become one through marriage and sex. It's a permanent bond. This is what it is. And it's the healthy place for where it is in the covenant bond of marriage. What I also want you to see, right, is that this is before even sin entered the world. So this is a good thing that God created. But I also want to point out marriage is not the solution to lust. If you had lust before marriage, if you struggle with pornography before marriage, you will after too. It doesn't go away because marriage is not the thing that you're missing. It's the, the hole in your heart and in your soul that you're trying to fill with this. That's what is missing and it still will be even after marriage. It's not the solution. Your struggle, your desire to have sex outside of God's design for marriage that you had before marriage will be the same in marriage, right? That doesn't change just because you got married. You're still wanting something outside of God's design of marriage. You think it would go away and it doesn't. So let God deal with it today, whether you're married or not, or wherever you're at, let God deal with it today. Do not wait. It never gets any easier later in life. I also want to say something before we go any further. Sex in marriage is amazing, right? Like, is it okay that I say that in church? Like, you know, like some of you are like, ah, ah where's he going, right? But we don't say it enough in church, right? Too often in church, we're like, we, we're talking about the bad parts about this topic, and we're like getting down on people, and we don't talk about that, you know what, if we do it the right way and God's way, it's actually a really good thing and he has good things for us and it's not supposed to be a bad thing, it's not supposed to be a shameful thing. It's where it's supposed to be and it's great if we put it in the right place. 
Sex outside of the, the God's design of marriage is porneia. As we looked at, it's adultery. And as Christians, we're called to not just avoid it, we are called, as we're going to see in a minute, to flee it. And as we saw in the first passage, even looking with that desire is lust and it is a sin for us. It's something to be avoided clearly by Jesus' continued teaching on that with cutting off your hand. It's something to be avoided at all costs because those are serious costs that he's saying are worth it for us to do. It's that serious for us. Our final passage I want to look at is Paul. He writes to the Corinthian church. He says, or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. Remember what Jesus said? This is marriage. It's one flesh. And that's what happens with sex. Any sex outside of God's design, again, is a one flesh relationship. I'm going to come back to that. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. The New Testament often talks about fighting sin, fighting temptation. What does it say, though, about the sexual sin and temptation? It says flee. Right? Fight or flight. We all know that. Most sin, we can fight against it. This one, it says, God's telling you, just, just don't even fight this one. Just, just run as fast as you can away from it. That's our response. There's a bear that you encountered hiking on the trail, and you see it. Run away. Don't try to fight it and, and kill it. Run away from this sin as fast as you can, because there's a bonding, it says here, that happens. And it's between you and that other person when you commit this sin and the reality is, even if it's just a video, even if it's one-sided, this still happens. It even happens in our mind. See, chains get brought into our life from this sin in our life. It creates a situation where we're imprisoned to our thoughts and our desires, where we're chained to them and we can't get rid of them. That enslavement is what Jesus comes to free us from and what the Holy Spirit gives us the power to be free from. But even psychologists outside of the church will tell you that your brain gets rewired over time in this area of your life from how you were born. And your brain will get rewired when you see something, you'll just start to think differently. And, and how you live and how you think and how you respond just starts to develop new habits and new thoughts and new ways of thinking. But I also want to let you know that the opposite is true. When you start to have, let God bring freedom to you in this area of your life, your brain also starts to get rewired back to God's design. And you start to think differently. And where I stand today, my thought process when something comes in front of me, it's not that I never struggle with this sin, but it is so different than before because my brain is now back to rewired the way God intended it for it to be. And I see people, how God created them as his children, beloved um, children created in his image. It can get rewired by God as well. But if, if we're doing this sin, if the sin is in our lives, there's bondage that happens. And Paul reminds us that if we're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in our lives. And the freeing of the chains of sin, he reminds us it was not free. If we are his followers, that we owe Jesus to live differently. Not only from a practical standpoint of our sin limits what the Holy Spirit is going to do in our life, it's true, but we are not our own, it says. We were bought at a price and we're to glorify God with our bodies because Jesus paid dearly for our freedom from sin. So in these three passages, just to sum it up for a minute, right? Looking with sexual desire, lust is as bad as adultery. 
any action or thought or sexual desire that we act on or entertain in our minds is that, was with, that is not within the bounds of God's covenant of marriage is what God is talking about and we're not supposed to have in our lives. Only to our spouse in the covenant of marriage is where this is supposed to be because our sexual union, our lust, creates a one flesh union that we're not supposed to have and we have too many of these. We're only supposed to have one. If we start to have a bunch of these, like you can't split one that many ways. It doesn't work. You're not supposed to split it at all. And so I want to continue with some action steps for us today and some good news for us today, right? The room is a little bit, rightfully so, like, well, this is, this is heavy this morning, right? I got some good for us coming. All right, trying not to live with lust is the first step here. It's important for us to decide, hey, we're not going to, we're not going to struggle with this willingly anymore. We're not going to just exist with this in our lives and it is not all of a sudden we don't even struggle with it anymore. Now it's a struggle. And what I even want you to see is it's not even what, what really matters, right? There's steps of this. There's where I'm at now. There's where I've been. There's where you're at, where you might get to. But just by choosing to live differently is going to open up a whole new way of living for you. Even if you're still struggling with this sin, even if you still commit this sin, you are living in a whole different way and you're trying to live differently and God is going to be working in your life in a whole new way. Corinthians reminds us as well, therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He says to them, right, this verse it's been a really important verse in my faith journey. It also is a verse that gets misquoted many times and misunderstood by many people. He does not say, right here, about trials and testing in your life, that you will never face anything in life that is beyond your ability. You will never face anything that is too difficult for you. He doesn't promise that. He promises that if you're in that situation, God will be with you in it, and he will give you away. He will, he will be with you. He will provide for you, and he can give you what you need. But what this is talking about is in temptation and sin, you will never be in a spot where you have to give in. There's always the ability to succeed through the power of the Holy Spirit. He will always give you a way out of this type of temptation. We don't have to live with it in our lives. We can choose to say no. We're not required to give in and say yes. And I know sometimes when this comes, right, it seems like all we can think about, and how could I think of anything else? How could I not give in to this temptation? This, this verse reminds us we don't have to give in. We don't have to give in to it. It's always possible to take God's path, not the one that we're just kind of want to go to and is right in front of us. We have a different way that we can live. One of the other action steps, the second one I want to invite you to take is, is to seriously consider fasting. Melissa mentioned this in her video. I didn't prompt her with that. But this can be a really valuable thing for us. And it can be key for lust because lust is a desire of the flesh, and what fasting does is it denies another part of our flesh, our bodies. We say no to food, or we say no to a certain thing in our life, and you can look up online some great resources for Christian fasting um, of how to do it. There's not one right way to do it, but by denying ourselves something, it says, you know what, if I can deny myself food, then I can also deny myself over here, and it elevates God and who he is in our lives, right? Even before dinner, like, we always pray, and my, you know, my little, my little kids are like, I'm so hungry, I can't wait to pray, and, and what we're trying to teach them is that God is more important 
than our, our hunger that's in our stomach. That we say, thank you, God, for what you've given me before I partake in eating what my flesh wants right now, and we thank him that it comes from us. When we fast, it says, God, you are more important than whatever I desire, and it puts him in the right place. And I encourage you to think about this if you have a serious struggle with this sin in your life. The other thing we need to do is to avoid it. And that's number three, right? Cut it off if it's in our life. As Jesus said, cut off, cut off the hand, cut off the eyes. Again, don't take me literally. I don't want anybody to misquote me on this. Uh, don't misquote Jesus on this. Not literally, but if there's something in your life that, that is causing you to fall into this, you need to make a change so it's not in your life anymore. Jesus says, like, get to a different place. And if you say, Jesus, just heal me from it, but you haven't changed anything about your life, God's looking at you and saying, I, I am giving you the power to do it. You're just not taking the step you need to take. Take that step first and change whatever you need to ch change in your life. Number four is to confess whatever this is in your life. And I want to look at James chapter 5. It says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. See, we confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to others for healing. We confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to others to fully receive the healing that we need in this life. There's two parts to that. I think so many of us, like, we're so afraid to take the second part. And that's part of what it means when we bring it into the light and we realize, you know what? This person still loves me. This person still is walking with me. Now, be intentional of who you reveal that to. But I want to encourage you, admit this to somebody, confess this to somebody that is a Christian, that doesn't struggle with this, that is more mature in the faith that, than you, that can keep you accountable and pray for you and encourage you um, and show you that, yeah, it's okay. God still loves you, even though that this is in your life right now. So I told you I would tell you some of my story. And I was introduced to pornography and lust and all sorts of other things when, when I was younger, when I was still in school. Um, and I don't, I, 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 don't, I don't know the exact date and time, but, but I remember that my life changed. And it was this rabbit hole, right, of with today's day and age, you can discover as much as you want to discover with the internet and life and other people in our culture. And what I want to let you know is that, honestly, it was a very long struggle for me. And some weeks were better, some weeks weren't. Some months were better, some years were better, others weren't. And I would try my hardest for a really long time to live differently. I would have accountability partners. I would do some of the things I talked about, set up protection here and live differently. But it was a battle. Sometimes minute by minute, it felt like a battle. And at times it felt like, okay, God, I know that I'm going to win the war. I get to go to heaven at the end. I know I'm forgiven, but it feels like I'm going to lose so many battles in this lifetime, and I don't know if I can ever live differently. Am I ever going to live in a spot where I don't struggle like this? My lust was so strong, and I felt like I just, I couldn't change it. And I won sometimes, and I lost the battle other times, but it was raging. It lasted through Bible college, lasted through seminary, lasted through working at churches, and, and there was people, it wasn't a hidden sin for me, there was people that knew and were trying to keep me, were keeping me accountable to it in those situations, but like even that didn't fix it for me. And I saw God bring healing in certain ways, and I saw it change, but it was a struggle for so long. 
Uh, you know, I was still addicted to pornography. I had girlfriends and I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do in those kind of relationships. I was practicing lust and the thoughts in my mind. And it was as if the Holy Spirit even got muted in my life. It was like I was driving one of the golf carts at the golf course that has a limiter on it because I don't want you to go too fast because you'll break the golf cart. And that's what my faith felt like. Now, now I see. Now I know that there's a different way to live. And now that I'm living here, I can go so much faster and the Holy Spirit can go so much more and God can speak so much more clearly through me because I don't live with that limiter anymore now that the sin is gone. And for a while though, I, I, I wanted to live differently. And I wanted to get to this place where I'm at now where I know my life is so much more enjoyable and, you know, I had intense moments of enjoyment, right? Sin is enticing for a minute, but then I had so much other struggle and challenge and, and difficulty in life. And it was just, it was a struggle in my life, and it was so great. There was over a decade that I said, I said that I struggled with this off and on, but more often than not, I, I wasn't winning against the struggle. I was giving in. And then it came to a point one day where I was working my job in corporate America, and I was so lost in life. And it came, and I, and I just, I realized, what is the point in my life? And I was so lost. It was such a low point, and I felt like, what am I doing? And I, I'm trying to live for God, but I'm not really succeeding, but it doesn't seem to be working out that well. But I'm not really just like living for myself either and living it up. Like maybe, maybe I should just go all in over there. And I felt like I need to make a decision on this in my life. And I felt like, what, what decision do I make? But I, I, I felt like I needed to d decide something. And there was a truth here that I didn't realize at the time, but my struggle with lust actually had the root of, I didn't fully commit to God, and I didn't fully commit to His purpose and His will in my life. And there was this hesitance of, but, but I'm keeping some to myself, and it was only after I fully gave over to God, when it had nothing to do with marriage, had nothing to do with sex, nothing of that, that He actually healed this sin in my life. And I came to a head one week because I was in the middle of this already struggle that I was facing with life and my purpose. I had this girl meet, like, I ran into her where I lived, and then she asked me out on a date, and I said, this is, this is great. Normally, I'm the guy. I have to ask the girl on a date. She asked me out on a date. And I was like, cool, let's go on a date. And that week, for the next couple days, I, 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 I struggled to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to go all in on God, or am I going to go this way? Because I knew that sex was on the table, and I knew that so much more was on the table if I went this other direction. And it wasn't working out well with God, but it wasn't, this didn't seem good either. And I said, what do I do? And I felt like I needed to go all in one way or another, either for God or just living for myself. And as I was in this place, I said, I, I struggled for, I, it was three days. And It's a challenge for me. It's emotional for me even today because I was so close to making the wrong decision and I did not realize how important that decision was for me. I literally would not be standing here today if I would have made the other decision. I would not be married to my wife today if I made the other decision. I wouldn't have the daughters that I have today, I wouldn't have any of the good things really that I have in my life today. Because I let that girl know that my faith was so important to me that I couldn't date her because 
because her faith was totally different. And I said, you're really cool. Like, we can be friends, but I, I can't date you. She said, that's cool. Didn't really hear from her. I said, okay, God, I'm all in on you. Not having to do with marriage. I said, I don't care if I get married in 30 years. I don't care if I'm committed for the next 30 years and I feel like I'm still struggling to know where you're at, God, but I'm just going to go all in and I'm going to live for you no matter what. Even if I'm still working this job that I don't like and I don't know what you're doing in this place, why do you have me in this place, God? I want more. Like, give me more. Give me better, God. Like, this is so much of a struggle. I, I said, I don't care how long it takes, but I'll be committed to you, God. And, it, and he doesn't always do this, but three weeks later, that girl that I almost made the wrong decision with said, this guy said his faith was so important to him, he's a Christian. I know this random Christian girl at my work. Let me introduce the two of them. And that Christian girl at her work is now my wife. And the girl that I almost made, I was so close to making the wrong decision with her. She would have obviously never introduced me to my now wife. But God had a bigger plan. I just had to just hold out to trust him for it. And what I want to invite you to is, I don't know where you're at today, where you're sitting in here today. You probably didn't know it was going to be as heavy of a topic if this is something you struggle with as it was today. But what I want to let you know is don't wait any longer to start trusting God in your life because you do not know the paths that are in front of you. And there's always a chance, like we can never do anything to, to, not, to get to a place where we can't receive his forgiveness. But don't wait. Matter of fact, why doesn't the band come up so that I can wrap up here? But don't wait. Don't wait. Because if I would have waited, I would have missed on this. God would have had other good for me later in life, but I, I would have missed it. And his provision was so much better than I could have hoped. It even came before I expected it to and I needed it to. It was so much better that he had for us. Remember what I said? That we get chained to our thoughts and our desires, that we come into a one flesh union when we sin with the sin of lust and against the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. We need to come to Jesus. He is the answer as he was for me. He is the same going to be for you. We need salvation from him and the power of the Holy Spirit is how we get to live differently. Jesus is the one that we need. Jesus would come. He would live a perfect life, a life that didn't include even getting to marry or have sex because God had a different plan for him and he said, that's okay. I'm here to take the sin of the world on my shoulders. I know I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that weight because I lived perfectly, but I'm willing to take it because I love the world this much and I love you this much. He loves you this much, that much. And he's calling you, saying, I have better for you, I have healing for you. First John says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. What does it say? It says that we are all sinners. What else does it say? That the blood of Jesus, that the, his death on the cross cleanses us. What does it say from some sin? No, it says it cleanses us from all sin. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Don't make him out to be a liar by saying you haven't sinned. We've all sinned, but the good news is no amount of sin, no amount of lust, no amount of anything else in your life can keep you from his love and keep you from what Jesus did for you. It is the best news that we could ever receive. And I want you to hear that this morning. 
Nothing you could do can keep you from the love of God. He loves you dearly. He loves you intimately. He loves you so much. There's nothing that can keep you from his love. There are those of you that are going to recognize in this morning moment you need spiritual help, you need direction. And I remember seeing, feeling just this deep sense of shame so many years ago as I lived with this trying to be good enough for God and no matter how hard I tried even, I always ended up doing the wrong thing. And I had to come to recognize that I couldn't be good enough on my own. You can't be good enough on your own either. You need Jesus in your life. You need the Holy Spirit to help you live a different way. And whether this is an issue for you or you have a different issue you're struggling with as you come here, because all of us, it says, remember, all of us have sinned and broken. The good news is that our God is full of mercy. So he didn't leave us on our own, but he came to, to us to become one of us in the person of Jesus Christ who was without sin. The greatest warrior, the greatest lover, the greatest person that has ever existed in this world, and he gave his life for us on the cross. And Jesus, and God rose Jesus to new life again so that anyone, it says, who calls on the name of Jesus would find salvation and find new life. And it says that he will never leave us or forsake us. There is no temptation that is too much for us to escape through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're tired of being ashamed, you're tired of the weight of the sin, the guilt in your life, you're tired of living a life without purpose, you're tired of covering it and hiding your sin, bring it to Jesus, bring it to the Holy Spirit. He wants to move in your life right now. He wants to, you just need to turn to him. So would we all bow our heads and pray together this morning? And if you're in that place where you're just feeling... I, I, I'm, I'm tired of fighting this. It's been such a weight. Nobody even knows about it. It's such a weight in my life. I, don't, I, I need you, Jesus. If you're in that place, just turn to him. Remember, all sin he cleanses. Nothing can keep us, it says elsewhere, from the love of God. And so if you want to turn to him, if you've never done that before, just pray this with me this morning. Jesus, I confess I'm not perfect. I believe you lived a perfect life and you died for me on the cross and rose again. And Jesus, I choose to follow you. That's all it takes. But I want to make, take a moment here right now. Remember it says to confess your sin to God? That was part of the James verse. Take a moment. If you need to confess something to God, any sin, it doesn't have to be the one we talked about today, anything, bring it to God. Just tell him in your mind. He'll hear you. Just tell him, this is, I'm sorry, I've messed up, and I, I want your forgiveness. God, I pray right now that anybody here that struggles with pornography right now, God, that they would just experience your love. They would know that they're forgiven, they're loved by you, that there's freedom for them, that you have better for them. If there's anybody that's, you know, just flirting with everybody around them that's even close to having an affair, anybody that's had an affair, right now that they would know that there is forgiveness in you. There might be consequences in this life. There might be some actions they need to take, but there's forgiveness right now, and you still love them. You still love them. You still love them. You still love them. Your love, nothing can separate us. Everybody in this room is loved by you, no matter what we've done. Could have been this morning. Nothing we've done can separate us from his love. And I pray for freedom from the thoughts we might have, from the lust we might have, from the actions that we've taken, that if you need freedom right now, just take it. It's yours. God wants to give it to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would just set us free from these chains. Anybody here that is struggling this morning, set us free, and may this be a place of hope, of life, of freedom. Amen.
We're going to respond by worshiping together with two more songs, and this is just a space for us to respond. This moment of worship can be so important for us. It's time for us to meet with God. It helps our minds and our souls and our hearts all come together in this. It touches, it refreshes, it's a time for you to meet with God, and I want you to embrace it right now. Some of you, if you're struggling with this right now, I want to invite you, let these songs become your prayer. If you aren't struggling, let these songs be your prayer for other people in this room. Because there are people in this room that this is a huge weight on their shoulders. And so let these songs, as we sing about freedom, as we sing about Jesus breaking the chains from sin, may this be your prayer for this space and those that are in this room to set people free because only God's power can do it. If you want to take communion at any point during the rest of our service, there's a table in the back. All you need to do to take communion in this church is believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and he is Lord of your life. If that's your confession, you can take communion there in the back. And remember what James said, the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. If you need prayer this morning, it doesn't have to be this. You can come back for anything. Just because you come back doesn't mean this is your struggle. But our team's in the back. We would love to pray for you. And God says, right, there is an aspect of healing that comes in getting prayer from somebody else. So don't just wait. Don't just be chained by it. But take that step to experience the freedom God wants. We're in the back. You can come get prayer. Let's stand together. Let's worship. Let's declare the truth that there's freedom in Jesus. He set, set us free, that there is healing in this place this morning. I have been praying all week. Our team has been praying that this would be a place of freedom, of peace, of hope, of healing. And we believe, and I believe, and I'm declaring right now that this is a place where people are going to be set free this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us on the Tekoa Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and let God do the work only he can do. We hope it helped you wherever you are at in your faith journey. We want to connect with you if you're going through something difficult or are looking to be a part of our church community. Fill out the Tacoa card on our Connect page, tacoachurch.org connect. While there, you can also see the most up-to-date information in the life of our church. A special thank you to those of you who give to Tacoa. Your sacrifice makes this podcast and our Sunday gatherings possible, as well as creates life change throughout the world. You can be a part of this by going to tacoachurch.org giving. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Until next time, blessings.